Young women have been growing up with an indoctrination of what womanhood is and what it should be. They've been taught everything that is in direct opposition to the Word of God. Young women who want to be different from the world are rare, but they are real. On this Rare But Real podcast, Audrey Brogy will often be joined by her daughter, Grace Anna, and her daughters-in-law, Maureen, Kesset, and Marilyn, who desire to be discerning in a day when everything seems to go against God's design. Join them in the journey of becoming rare but real. It takes courage and conviction. Morning. It's so good to be back with y'all this morning. And you may have wondered why I have such a little Bible, but this is my diaper bag Bible. So I highly recommend having a Bible in all of your bags. And this one gets the honor of being at the Vision for Motherhood conference, which is fitting. But it is so good to be back with y'all this morning, and last night we laid the foundation for our study by looking at God's original design for men and women in marriage. And we went back to the Garden of Eden, and we saw the foundation for motherhood, which is marriage. And we started with marriage because we're seeking to lay that foundation as we seek to gain a biblical vision for motherhood. Because godly women strive to keep their priorities straight, and we understand that motherhood isn't a standalone category. It's not a compartmentalized relationship in our lives. It's our relationship with the Lord comes first then our relationship with our husband, then our children. And I think many women have gotten this mixed up. I know there have been times when I've gotten this mixed up. It's not pretty. And I will just say this parenthetically. I think one of the best things for your children to see is that you love and make your husband a priority because deep down they want to know that the bond between you and your husband is strong. One way sometimes that I test how I'm doing in this area is to think about the sacrifices that you are willing to make for your kids. Maybe it's staying up half the night to decorate a birthday cake or construct a costume or help them finish a school assignment. But then make sure when it comes to making your husband a priority, maybe you are feeling that it's a burden to make him breakfast Or picking up his clothes that are laying on the floor right next to the hamper. (laughs) Are you rolling your eyes that he's putting you out? If the ways you are loving your children are coming easier to you than the ways you are loving your husband, ask the Lord to help you begin loving your husband well. I have had many times where I've had a child crying or hanging onto my leg as I leave the house to go on a date with Grant. And I have had to, said to them, had, had to say to them, the relationship with your daddy comes first. He's my husband, and we love each other, and we need to spend time together. And I'm a better mom to you when I have time with your dad. Of course, Grant likes to put it a little less delicately. <laughs> he says, your mom and I started this journey. You guys are just along for the ride. <laughs> But it is incredibly healthy, even as we're talking about motherhood, for your children to know that they are not actually the center of your universe. 
they are loved, they are your priority to raise. They are blessings, which we're going to talk about this morning. But as godly women, we have to keep our priorities in order. So it starts with our relationship with the Lord, which of course, it's so important to be a believer and to know him, which transforms a woman's heart to desire to obey the Lord and follow his design. As godly women, we strive to always keep the relationship with the Lord first because his glory is our motivation for motherhood. We are his servants, his daughters, and we desire to please him. So that leads us today to a biblical vision for children. And I want you just, as we go through today, just keep this priority in mind. If you get nothing else from these three sessions, if you walk away knowing my relationship with the Lord is first, then my husband, then my kids, I am so confident that you will grow as a mother because these things are intrinsically connected. But as we're talking this morning about having a biblical vision for children, I do want to make sure that we ask all the hard questions because our world is challenging us on every front when it comes to motherhood. I want to make sure we talk about the why. Why even have children? Why be a mother? Is having children just a badge of honor? Is it just to say, oh, I'm a woman and I've now experienced all that womanhood has to offer? I've seen that. Of course, we saw in Genesis 1.28 that we are commanded to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Having children is part of God's design. It's part of being an obedient Christian. But why? So if you're taking notes this morning, my first point is this. The word teaches us that having and raising godly children is God's way of declaring his glory to this world. The word teaches us that having and raising godly children is God's way of declaring his glory to this world. Psalm 102.18 says, Let this be recorded for a generation to come, so that a people yet to be created may praise the Lord. Our world is very focused on the right now. You. Your life. If kids don't fit into that, well then, don't even think about it. But God's word imparts to us an eternal perspective that stretches beyond ourselves and being a mother is part of that eternal perspective. An older woman once explained motherhood to me like this, and I will never forget it. She said, you are shepherding the souls. You are shepherding souls who will never die. You are shepherding souls who will never die. Motherhood is about looking beyond the temporal, looking beyond the challenges to raising children who know and love the Lord. That's the goal. That's the goal, that they will continue to share Christ and live for him after we are gone. So I want to look tonight, this morning at the world's view of children 
versus the words view of children because we can't have a right vision of motherhood if we don't understand what God's word teaches about the blessing and value of raising children. And this morning, we're going to study 1 Timothy 2.15. So if you have your copy of scripture, you can go ahead and turn there. 1 Timothy 2.15. And in order to read it in context, I'm going to start in verse 12. And these, this passage of scripture is Paul's instructions to Pastor Timothy on the church, on the local church, how women in the church should function. So these commands are in that context. And in verse 12 it says, I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. transgressor. And then look in verse 15. Yet she will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. Now this last verse that we're, that we're going to look at is one that has stirred up a lot of controversy because there's been confusion about whether this verse refers to a woman's salvation. But Paul adds this qualification to this statement, which clarifies it. He says, if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. And if you read the entire book of 1 Timothy, you understand that false teachers had crept into the church and part of their false teaching was saying that it was more spiritual to not get married and to abstain from eating certain foods. And Paul talks about this in 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 3, where he says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teaching of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from certain foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. Paul doesn't want women, these women, to be deceived by false teaching that, that is making up rules about abstaining from being a wife or a mother and saying that that is more godly. But instead to realize that a Christian woman embracing God's design for her life, whether that's singleness or marriage, is an evidence to the spiritual change within her heart. We are called to work out our salvation, as Philippians 2.13 says, in fear and trembling, in awe and reverence for God and in submission to his word. And as we studied last night, a Christian woman has been given a new heart in Christ. She now desires to obey the Lord. So because of that, she doesn't reject God's design for her as a wife and mother, but embraces this calling. And Paul is wanting women to understand that they don't need to reject God's design for their lives to have value. But rather, they work out their salvation by being obedient to the Lord. And even if God never gives a woman the gift of being a mother herself, A godly woman will love God's design and look for ways to honor and embrace it. Amy Carmichael is a missionary who has profoundly impacted me. And one of the reasons 
is because of how she loved and cared for children as a single woman. Amy was a Christian missionary to India in the late 1800s and early 1900s, and Elizabeth Elliot wrote a biography on her life called A Chance to Die. Amy never married, she never had any children of her own, but she opened a mission home in India where she served for over 55 years. She rescued young girls out of temple prostitution and took in abandoned children and provided a safe and loving home for them, as well as sharing the gospel. Now there's an old Indian proverb that says, children tie the mother's feet. And in her biography, Elizabeth Elliot writes how Amy found that to be true. Before Amy founded her mission home for young girls, she had planned to travel around India, ministering in different cities. She saw that as a great work to visit these cities and share the gospel and do ministry. But if you, re- you read in the biography that a little girl changed everything for Amy. In her view of ministry and motherhood, a little girl named Pearl Eyes, who was seven years old, came to Amy and needed care, and thus began the start of Amy's mission home. Amy was at first frustrated with changing diapers, wiping noses, fixing large meals, and rocking sick little ones to sleep. She asked herself the question, could it be right to turn from so much that might be of profit evangelistic tours, traveling, convention meetings, just to, she said, just to become a nursemaid. But then Amy was struck by the image of Christ wrapping himself in a towel and stooping to wash his disciples' feet. She remembered that Christ viewed humble service as the most significant service of all. She realized that in serving these girls, she had a chance to die. She had a chance to serve Christ. So Amy allowed her feet to be tied. And because of her willingness, hundreds of children in India called her Amma, which means mother in Tamil. Amy's love for the motherless was born out of her desire to see people's lives transformed by the gospel. Amy famously wrote, nothing is important but that which is eternal. And that's how she saw her work with the children of India. And I want you to see this because I think sometimes we think that embracing motherhood always comes quickly and naturally. But Amy was slow to embrace the sacrifices of motherhood. And yet she realized it's eternal perspective. And that's where biblical motherhood always begins. And you don't have to be married and you don't have to have children to have a vision for motherhood. There are many single women who have a far greater vision for motherhood than many mothers. Because this perspective begins with a surrendered life to Christ. When we are surrendered to Christ, he begins to transform every aspect of our lives, including our view of motherhood. Now, marriage is the normal gift that God gives most men and women. It is God's design, as we talked about, for filling the earth and spreading the gospel. But this doesn't mean that every man or woman is called to marriage. Most are, but not all. And all people will be single for a period in their lives, some longer than others, some at points they did not expect to be single. And a single woman can fully 
bring glory to God and image God without ever getting married or having children. A single man the same way. Marriage is a gift and a blessing, but marriage is also temporary, which Matthew 22, 23 through 40 talks about. Scripture gives us a beautiful picture of marriage, but it also exalts singleness in the Lord, 1 Corinthians 7. So single or married, women are to model a mothering heart and have a vision for children, even if they don't have any of their own. But how in the world, in this society, do we get a heart like this? A heart that doesn't view children as nuisances and pains, but a heart like Amy who loved children and wanted to see them come to know Christ. Paul gives a command in the book of Titus, which is another pastoral epistle, which outlines how the church should function. And Paul tells Titus in Titus 2.4 that the older women are to train the young women to love their husbands and children. So my second point this morning is this. Point two, the word teaches us that women need to be taught to love their children with a biblical love. The word teaches us that women need to be taught to love their children with the biblical love. Why is this something that needs to be taught? Won't women naturally naturally love their husbands and children? Why do they need to be trained? Well, we know why, right? Without Christ, our minds are tainted by the world. We do not have a heart to please God. So if that's the case, the world does not have a proper view of children. It is tainted both by the fall and their own sinful nature. 2 Corinthians 4.4 clearly states that the God of this world has blinded, blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. So when it comes to the world's view of children, we have to keep this in mind. Unbelievers' hearts are blinded to the gospel, which also blinds them from understanding spiritual things. We must understand that the world does not have God's heart for children. And we need to recognize the world's view of children and not allow it to shape our view of children. So point three is the world views children as burdens. The world views children as burdens. When I was pregnant with Charles, he's our third child, Grant and I walked into a children's furniture store to purchase a glider, and our girls at the time were four and two, and they, of course, started running around like wild banshees in the furniture store and trying out every single glider for us and doing far more than gliding. But it didn't take long for the female employee who was helping us to spill her thoughts on what she really thought about children. And she told us, I am not making this up, that we should stop having children even somewhat rolling her eyes that I was pregnant, she told us, especially looking in Grant's eyes, that children are a financial burden and that while they seemed easy now, we should really understand that children are a drain and come with massive responsibility. Now, we all know they do actually come with massive responsibility. (laughs) Now, I'm seven months pregnant. I can't handle it. My eyes fill with tears. I'm, I tried to mumble something about, like, oh, well, I view children as blessings. And then I just left Grant to handle the lady and the kids running around. <laughs> Needless to say, no glider was purchased. My parents ended up giving us one. But 
her view of children was so toxic that it just spilled out of her. She couldn't help it, even to a young mom who was pregnant. All she could see was the financial burden that children bring. And of course, as I thought about her over the years, actually I have compassion because I know that something was greatly sad to her for her to say that. I, rem- I do remember Grant, though, coming to the car and saying, now, why was she working in a children's furniture store? <laughs> this view of children being a burden is nothing new. We know it's not new because otherwise Paul wouldn't have exhorted Titus to tell the older women to teach the younger women to love their children. Chris Mueller, in his book, Let the Women Be Women, talks about some of this. He says, raising kids in the first century was often a duty that a woman inherited from the marriage her parents arranged for her. Children were often considered a burden because they were more mouths to feed. In Greek and Roman society, people were so lacking in natural affection that many times the weak and deformed and sometimes little girls were left to die. And we've seen this happen, of course, in China with their one-child policy, which is now a two-child policy, but it really hasn't helped the country. But we also see this mindset here in America, don't we? Now, when I was 27 years old, I had Evangeline, our second child, and I remember my anesthesiologist, who really was my hero in that moment when I was in labor. But I remember him basically telling me as he was putting the giant needle on my back, because I remember he asked me how old I was, that I should be focused on enjoying my 20s. You know, wow, you're having your second kid already? I am not making this up. He said this to me. <laughs> you're too late. <laughs> but this is the world's view of children. They are hindrances and burdens, and if you do have them, make sure to only have one or maybe two. Now, of course, we also see this mindset of children as a burden prevalent in abortion activism, and I don't even have to explain to you the hate associated with this. Don't you dare touch a woman's right to choose whether a child is a burden or a blessing. That is her prerogative to decide. But guess what? We don't get to decide as women whether children are blessings or burdens. Scripture unequivocally states that children are blessings. And that's point four. The word teaches that children are blessings. Hopefully you know this verse. It's so beautiful. Psalm 127, 3 through 5. Behold, children are heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Proverbs 17.6 says, Grandchildren are the crown of the aged, and the glory of children is their father's. After the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary and after Mary received encouragement from her cousin Elizabeth in this calling God had for her life as a mother, Mary declared, For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant, for behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. 
And I love as well in Genesis when Jacob is going out to meet Esau with his children, and he introduces them to Esau by saying in Genesis 33:5, the children whom God has graciously given your servant. Jacob sees his children as a gift of God's unmerited kindness. Okay, so we know this is what scripture teaches, right? Children are blessings. But children are also hard work. And let's be honest, sometimes they don't feel like blessings. When you are leaning over the toilet with morning sickness, you aren't typically thinking, blessing. (laughs) When you're exhausted with getting up for yet another night in a row to take care of a crying child, the word blessing is not usually running through your mind. When it's the witching hour and the kids are going crazy and you are trying to make dinner and someone is fighting and the noise level is maxed out, the word blessing isn't just feeling so ideal right now. And I, when Grant read over my talk, he said, what's the witching hour? <laughs> I said, you don't know what the witching hour is? Is it, is it when the witches come out? I said, clearly you are not a mother. <laughs> Because just because children are a blessing doesn't mean that children are easy. And I think this is what the world misses completely, right? The world equates ease equals blessing. But the word never says blessing equals ease. And we'll talk about this in another session about the sin nature of children and our call to discipleship. But I want to keep looking at this principle of blessing, going back again to 1 Timothy 2.15. But she will be saved through the bearing of children if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. This passage is talking about the spiritual blessings that motherhood brings to you. Your growth in godliness through motherhood no matter how hard, no matter how heartbreaking, is a spiritual blessing that is a gift from God for your good. Children are spiritual blessings. And I know for me, this has been an eye-opening realization that God is using my children in my life to help me grow spiritually. Those of you who are mothers in this room, You know how many times motherhood has brought you to the end of yourself. How many times has motherhood shown you how broken and needy and selfish you are? 1 Timothy 2.15 teaches us very clearly that God designed motherhood to refine and shape us into Christ-like women with Christ-like attitudes and Christ-like character. I know that's not always what we want to hear. Sometimes I just don't want to be that. I want to be Grace Anna-like. But it's what the scripture says, because look at your verse. It takes faith to raise godly children. It takes love to raise godly children. It takes holiness to raise godly children. It takes self-control to raise godly children. And not just when they're home, in your home, I'm sure for women who have grown children, they would say even when they leave. Because motherhood pushes us. 
beyond the limits of what we can do in our own strength. And as it does, God grows our trust and dependence upon him. He grows us in faith. We have to trust him in so many areas with our lives, with their physical and spiritual well-being. From the moment we get pregnant or even are praying to get pregnant, our faith in God and his plan for our children begins to grow. He grows us in love, love for him and love for our children. Just when I think my love could not grow anymore, somehow it does. He grows us in holiness because we see our sin laid out before us. I would be a lot holier, I would think, if I didn't have people messing up the house all day. But that's not the truth. It brings out what's in my heart. I see my sin, and it's hard. And we have to actually walk with him and ask him to change us from the inside out. He grows us in self-control. Isn't that great that that's on that list? Because our patience is tried beyond belief. We want to lash out in our emotions, and we slowly begin to learn how to walk by the Spirit and rely on the Lord instead of our feelings. Being a mother will grow you up one way or the other, or at least it should. But many women do not want to receive the spiritual blessing of sanctification that children bring. Instead of growing in faith, love, holiness, and self-control, they grow in bitterness, selfishness, resentment, and anger, often trying desperately to cling to the happy moments of motherhood because they don't have the joy that walking with God in the everyday moments of life brings. But the godly woman allows God to use the challenges of motherhood to shape her into the woman he wants her to be. I have offered so many prayers up to the Lord during monotonous days of motherhood when I don't feel like playing with my children. I have offered so many prayers up to the Lord when Grant is traveling and I am managing the kids without him. I have offered up so many prayers up to the Lord during the stomach bug, strep, weeks on end of colds and viruses, and whiny toddlers. And I have seen God meet me. I have seen God grow me. I have seen God change me. Proverbs 31, 28 through 29 says, Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Why did these children rise up and say this? Because mom had a life of ease? Or because they've seen their mom invest her life in them? They've seen her faith, felt her love, respect her holiness, and observe her self-control. Now, children are spiritual blessings, but I also want you to note that children are physical blessings. Of course, we know the world misses the value of spiritual blessings completely. But I think the world even fails to recognize the physical blessings children bring. Now, they were probably, children were probably more valued in the past as they were necessary in contributing members to the family. But it seems to me that this perspective has been lost more and more. Rarely have I heard encouragement from the world regarding the ways children are a blessing. Sometimes, but not often, 
You see, though, many blessings of children throughout Scripture. And I just wanted to share a few of you that I thought of. And you may want to jot some of these down, or you may have some of your own later that you want to jot down. But the first one is that they take care of you in your old age. If you have invested and poured your life into raising children, and your children know the sacrifice you made for them, they typically, in turn, will desire to take care of you. 1 Timothy 5, when referring to the godly widows who are to be taken care of by the church, says that those widows who have raised godly children don't need to be put on the list because their children are first to, quote, make some return to their parents. The world wants to ignore the fact that we will grow old and needy. Just as our children need us to care for them now, so also will many of us need them to care for us. Now, this doesn't mean that a, a child is to be the one to physically care for those needs, but for certain, to help oversee and show love and honor and respect in that season of life. As Timothy says, make some return back. We could never make back return, a full return back to our parents because they kept you alive. That in and of itself is something. They kept you alive. But if a child has had a godly parent, they should hope to make some return. Now, when my mom was around my age, back in 1990, she wrote a poem entitled Too Many Children. And she sent it to me this past winter, right around the time I had found out I was expecting Truman. And so the timing was just, it was perfect. Um, I was feeling a little overwhelmed. And this godly perspective of children as blessings, not burdens, is exactly what I needed to be reminded of. And I want to read it to you because I think it highlights the world's perspective of children versus a godly woman's perspective of children, especially when it comes to children growing up and how they view their mom based on how she viewed them. It's called Too Many Children. Too Many Children, she said to me, they're not all yours. How could it be? You say you want more. What will you do when they get in your way, when they demand of you? How can you handle a brood of four? Tell me, please, you don't want more. Children are worrisome. They're selfish and mean. They're full of wines, and they're never clean. They track in dirt. They make such a mess. I don't want any, I must confess. I didn't want any, I must confess. The ones I have drive me insane. I can hardly stand them. They're such a pain. They beg for things. They're rowdy. They're rude. How can you stand for such a large brood? I looked at this mother and then at her child, who was looking at me, and then I smiled. Children are special. They're not in my way. They're full of surprises, I went on to say. Babies are sweet. They love being kissed. They're actually cuddling cute with their clenched little fists. Toddlers love play. Their energy abounds. They make life exciting with their happy sounds. And children, well, their questions are bright. They keep my mind active into the night. Children are special. I wish you could know all the joys you are missing by complaining so. Your children will grow, for all of them do. What will they be like? They're learning from you. It may be one day you'll need their care. Do you think that you might want them to be there? Or will they say, our mom's such a pain, sometimes she really makes us insane. Her constant demands, her selfish requests, doesn't she realize that we've left the nest? 
We have our own lives. We want time away to find our own pleasures, to plan our own days. Our mother is old. She makes such a mess. We don't want to be bothered. We must confess. Children are a blessing, not just a chore. If God finds me worthy, yes, I want more. And I now, obviously, it's been many years since my mom wrote this poem, but I've seen the privilege of watching her care for her mom, and it's a beautiful thing to see. So another physical blessing of children is that it gives you an opportunity to pass on a legacy to the next generation and leave an inheritance to your children's children. So pass on a legacy. Does what you are living die with you? And we saw that with Amy Carmichael that many women are spiritual mothers. And we should all strive to be spiritual mothers regardless of whether or not we have children, but also to the women in in our church. So investing in children, whether they are own or not, is part of passing on a godly heritage. And if God does give us our own children, we are commanded to pass on to them a godly heritage. Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 7 says, And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. Now, my middle name is is an old name. (laughs) It's Maud, and it's after my great-grandmother. And... I was 12 years old when she had an aneurysm, and I went to the hospital with my mom as she was dying, and as I stood next to her bed, my great-grandfather Walter was there, and I remember him saying to me, if you live half the life that this woman did right here, you will have lived a godly life, and I've always remembered that. Now, my grandmother grew up on a farm, and when my grandparents died, they tore down the house because it was, there was, it was infested with termites. They couldn't keep it. So they lived in a small town. I mean, small town. And the place where they lived their lives and raised their children is just a field with some old barns in a small town that hardly anyone would ever notice it. But what she left behind is part of who I am. It has forever impacted me because she raised a daughter and taught her about the Lord, who raised a daughter who taught her about the Lord, who raised me and taught me about the Lord. Never underestimate the impact of just one godly life. Being a good steward and passing on what God has entrusted to you is a biblical principle. Proverbs 13.22, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. Of course, this principle can certainly be applied to finances, but its greater application is wisdom. When wisdom is passed on, its effects in a family are lasting. Now, another physical blessing is that children make life fun. They do. They just make life fun. Now, this is not so much a biblical principle, though I'm sure it's a practical practical reality that you for sure can find in Scripture. But children bring joy, laughter, and fun to life. You know, I remember one evening a few months ago, I was making dinner. The kids were dancing in the kitchen. The noise level was, of course, astronomical. And Grant looked over at me across the kitchen and shouted over the mayhem, isn't this fun? (laughs) That wasn't what I was thinking, to be honest, in that moment. 
but it made me laugh because it just, it just is. With our, our children, our evenings would be quieter, our home more orderly, and our days more productive. But oh, the fun we would miss. The laughter, the memories, the conversations, the things the kids say, the things that I say that I never thought I would say. Recently, Patrick, my four-year-old, came up to me and said, I just met a bug and he was nice to me. I was reading, and I looked up at him and broke into a huge smile. And he brought that smile to me that afternoon on the porch. And I'm so thankful. Children bring such fun and delight into a family, and the world is not going to remind us to enjoy these moments. Children also grow up to become our friends. Now, in my experience, this is something the world really forgets to talk about entirely. The blessing of friendship is especially true for those who raise godly children, because when they love the Lord and you love the Lord, there's a spiritual kinship. Now, when you are raising your children, you are in authority over them and called to train and disciple. The relationship, while full of friendliness and love, is not a friendship. But as a child matures into adulthood, there is a point where the parent releases the child and welcomes the adult. And I think about this with the relationship I have now with my mom. We are truly friends. It wasn't an overnight occurrence, but as I matured into a woman, the friendship between us grew. My mom continued to parent me, but eventually respected the adult I had become. I love the picture of this that we see in the relationship between Paul and Timothy. Paul was Timothy's spiritual father. And yet Paul later says of Timothy, I have no one like him. The relationship that grew between them was from father and son to brotherly friendship. And this is something, too, that you may experience not just with your own child, but in the church. You've been a spiritual mother to young children in their classes, teaching them about the Lord, and they grow up to be friends. I see small glimpses of this now with my girls as they mature, and I'm beginning to see the fruit of years of training and investment. We enjoy being together. We are talking about things in a new way as they get older. The value of this gift could never be measured. It is such a blessing. Now that we've talked about the world's view of children as burdens versus the word's view of children as blessings, I want to consider now, lastly, how having the perspective of children as blessings gives you a long view of mothering. So my final point is this. Viewing children as blessings gives you a long view of mothering. The world insists, do what is best for you right now. Is something tough or challenging? Adjust your situation to whatever is easiest in the short run. Kids driving you crazy? Get them out from underneath you. Find an outlet, whether it's self-care or me time or dropping them off in some sort of child care. But whatever you do, figure it out for your own mental sanity, for goodness sake. Now, I am not saying that there are not times when we need a break because there is times we need a break. And there's nothing wrong with getting help. I know how much I need help and need a break sometimes. But God calls us as mothers to raise our children. And that requires us having the perspective that while the sacrifice we make for our children is costly and hard, it is worth it. 
I believe that having this long view of mothering enables us to enjoy our kids more in the short term and have joy in the short term. Because if you have a long view of mothering, even when your children are out from under your roof, you're still loving them. You're still praying for them. You're still trusting that they'll come back to the Lord if they don't know the Lord. As godly mothers, we have this eternal perspective in mind because we aren't just changing diapers, mitigating fights, and doing another load of laundry because we have to. We are doing what God has called us to, and we are doing it for his glory. This perspective turns monotonous days and menial tasks into meaningful work. There's a well-known but true story of the rebuilding of St. Paul's Cathedral after the Great Fire in London in the mid-1600s, and Christopher Wren was a famous architect who was working on the project, and he approached three bricklayers, and he asked the first bricklayer, what are you doing? To which the bricklayer replied, I'm a bricklayer. I'm working hard to lay bricks to feed my family. He asked the second bricklayer what he was doing, and he said, I'm a builder. I'm building a wall. Finally, he asked the third bricklayer, who he noticed was standing taller, working faster, and more joyfully than the other two. What are you doing? To which the bricklayer replied, I am a cathedral builder. I am building St. Paul's Cathedral. I love this story because it reveals how perspective changes everything. Much like those bricklayers, many women see mothering like the first two men. I am just trying to survive the day. Or I am just trying to raise a kid. Because so much of motherhood is monotonous bricklaying. It's hard to see what in the world we are building. But we are not merely slapping brick and mortar together. No matter what the world may say, we are building the kingdom of God. The women who understand the eternal significance of what God has called them to are the women who experience deep joy in their work. When asked how they do it, they say, I am shepherding the souls of children who will never die. Or, I am raising the next generation for Christ. Perspective from the word really does change everything. So let us embrace a biblical vision for motherhood. Children are blessings. And what you are doing now matters for eternity. I want to do the same thing we did at the Close Love last night. I want you to answer this question in your journal. What is one thing that the Holy Spirit impressed on your heart from his word that you are going to strive to apply? And then I'll close us in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your word and the perspective that it brings as we all need to be reminded that children are blessings. Children are blessings whether they are, we feel that they are blessings, whether they are walking with the Lord at this current moment or away from him. Lord, we cling to your plan. We cling to in faith and love and holiness and self-control we want to have a long view of mothering that as long as we're alive we're praying for our children and we're trusting you with our children and we're giving you our children 
And Lord, I pray for whatever the women wrote down this morning, Lord, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would enable them to apply your word to their life. Lord, and that we would all be women who are growing in the character qualities described in 1 Timothy 2.15. In Jesus' name, amen. If you enjoyed this episode of Rare But Real, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified when a new episode is posted. And share this podcast with friends. Follow Audrey on Instagram and Facebook at Mothering From The Heart. And listen to all her messages on the Search the Scriptures app.